miracles. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1 through 8. It says, he called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority. Everybody say authority. Gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Now, these are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or any any of the towns of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. And as you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would be with us as we get into your word. Lord, let nothing be of our flesh. Lord, I pray that you would remove me and just let us hear from you this morning. Let your word come alive in our heart and our mind. In Jesus' name, and everybody said together, amen. The Lord did not withhold anything. We're talking about Judas right now and the fall of Judas and, and here we see that the Lord gave them power to deliver demons, to heal people, to cleanse from leprosy, to do all these things, to preach the gospel. So we know that Judas was going out preaching the kingdom of heaven is near. We know at some point things begin to change, but uh, he was following Christ from the beginning. And then after a little while, Jesus went amongst all his disciples and chose 12. And Judas was one of those 12. And so then after he became one of those 12, he began to follow Christ around and, and serve them. And, and at some point, he became in charge of the money. Everybody say money. Anytime money gets involved, it makes everybody a little bit nervous. Amen. Somewhere, this began to happen. And then six days before the Passover, Mary, Mary who had lost her brother Lazarus and he had been dead in the tomb for four days. And, and Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. And he came out. And so Mary is very grateful. So she takes this expensive jar of perfume and, and pours it out on Jesus' feet and then begins to dry his feet with her hair. And, and, and Judas speaks up and says, what, why, why are you wasting that perfume? It could have been sold and given to the poor. And so Judas objects publicly in front of everybody. And so Jesus chastises publicly in front of everybody. And four days goes by. And now we're two days before the Passover. And, and we begin to see Judas have an influence over the others. And, and so now another woman comes in and, and she also takes the alabaster. Instead of pouring it on his feet, she pours it upon Jesus' head and she anoints him. And now it says everybody, all of them, all the apostles, they, they're all complaining, why this waste? And so we see that Judas from six days before the Passover to two days before the Passover, in four days he has had some influence over everybody, and now everybody's saying the same thing as Judas. Then you have the Passover meal. So now we're, we're on the Passover, and they are at a table much like this, but it's a little bit lower. And they are sitting down, reclining with one another. And they are eating and they are celebrating. It's a huge festival in the Jewish custom. And, and, and they, are, they are talking and laughing and, and sharing stories and telling the stories of how God came and delivered the people in Egypt so many years ago and what God did with Moses. And they're just retelling that, celebrating and eating and fellowshipping. And then Jesus suddenly stands up. And the scripture says he removes his outer clothing. 
and he puts on a towel, the towel of a servant, and he goes around, he begins to wash the feet of the disciples. Peter objects, said, Lord, you will never wash my feet. And Jesus said, unless I wash your feet, then you cannot be with me. And Peter says, not just my feet, then my whole body. And so when he finishes, he said, now I have done this. Now you, as you follow me, you go and do the same. And so he's teaching them a lesson, and, and, and it's the Last Supper, so then they continue eating. And, and, and then Jesus says something that, that they didn't like. He says, now one of you here is going to betray me. And in the midst of that, they began to talk amongst each other and talk to him, and they're asking him, is it I, is it I? And, and, and they're wondering, who, who is it? And, and one says, ask him who it is, ask him. And in the middle of that discussion of, of everyone and all the, the commotion going on and, and everybody talking all around, whispering to one another, uh, they begin to say, well, it's, it's not me because I have served him well. I, I have served him faithfully. In fact, I'm going to be the greatest. And they had a big argument over who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom Right then, just after Jesus said, I want you to go and wash people's feet, they have an argument about who gets to sit at the right hand of God. And one of them says to Jesus, Lord, who is it? And he's got this bread, and he's tearing it and passing it. And they don't, they're all taking the bread and dipping it. And at just the right moment, as this was asked, it was Judas's turn. And he gave it to Judas. In John chapter 13, it says, Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I've dipped it in the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, son of Simon. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. What you are about to do, do quickly, Jesus told him. But no one at the mill understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Jesus had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the feast or to go give something to the poor. As soon as Jesus had taken the bread, he went out, and it was night. This is the peak of the rebellion, the anger, the bitterness. Jesus had come preaching a, a new kingdom and Judas had followed, and like so many uh, disciples following, when Jesus didn't continue to rise up in power, they got disillusioned and they were upset. And, and then Jesus began to, to, to do things with this perfume when, when Judas said, well, we could have sold that and given it to the poor. And, and we know Judas was a thief, and, and so he wanted to dip his hand into the money bag. And, and, and so he got disillusioned. And, and so he began to think, well, this isn't right. This, what, what, what does he think he's doing? How, how is he me? This shouldn't be. And he, he got all upset and began to think, well, I don't even know that I want to follow him. And the scripture says that he began to contemplate this idea of betraying him. And at this very moment, when Jesus looked at him, nobody it says no one else understood because there was this big commotion going on, all this conversation, and everybody's wondering, is it I, is it I? And then they think, no, I'm going to be the best. I'm, I'm going to be at the right hand of God. And all that's going on. But Judas knew because he knew what he had done. He knew what was in his heart. And rather than repent, he got angry. So much so that that opened his heart so completely that now Lucifer himself was able to embody him completely. I want to tell you this morning, when we rebel against the Lord, we open ourselves to the devil's work.
Perhaps he volunteered. Perhaps he was chosen. At some point, he became treasure. We don't know a whole lot about Judas and everything we see when he followed. We see when he was named as an apostle. And then we don't really see a whole lot until this episode with Mary. And he's so upset over the, over the perfume. But somewhere in the middle of that, he, he, he is elected. He is chosen. He is appointed. We don't know to be the treasurer. And suddenly he is over all of it. And he becomes a thief. And he sells Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. He didn't know how to handle. Now, I want you to think about this. It doesn't say anywhere that anybody else had any other authority. You had all the disciples that were following Christ. You had the 12 that had authority. But within that 12, Judas was the only one that had a special job. He's the only one that that Jesus said, I'm going to give you a little bit more authority than everybody else. And now he takes that authority, and and he's been given that authority in order to do something good. But rather than doing something good, he uses it to steal money for himself. He takes the authority that Christ gives him and uses it for his own personal gain. Amen? When we mishandle our authority, we will always fall away from Christ. Always. I want to talk to you about authority and and what it means and who you are in the authority of God, the authority of Christ, and and within the authority of just humanity and who you are because all that is in play. Every believer has been given kingdom authority. Every believer, if you're a believer today, then you have the Holy Spirit. And because you have the Holy Spirit, you have the full manifestation of God himself in you. Amen? And, And his power is in you. Completely, totally, fully, without any doubts. Amen? The scripture of Matthew 18, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. These words, loose and bind, the, the Hebrew, it means to forbid or to permit based on indisputable authority. In other words, God is God. Nobody can challenge him. He has no competitors. He has nobody that can stand up against him. He, 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 he looks at his enemy, and with one word, the enemy is cast out. The Bible says one day that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord, and we will overcome by the word of our testimony in the blood of the Lamb. Amen? There is no other authority. And so what it's saying here is because God is able to do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants, he has now put that authority in every believer so that when I pray, I can literally, literally Literally, I know you don't like it when I, literally, when we pray as believers, we are opening heaven's doors and releasing power from heaven. Amen? See, part of the problem is, is the church, we don't understand the power that we have. We do not understand the power. He said, all authority has been given to me, and I'm going to give it to you. So when you pray, you pray with authority. Demons have to listen to you. Sickness has to listen to you. Look in Luke chapter 10. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Amen? It doesn't say nothing will come against you, but it says when the devil comes against you, that's the snakes and the scorpions, you'll trample on them. You just stomp on their head. Amen? 
It doesn't say you're not going to have a battle. It says you will win every time when you learn how to operate in the authority that God has given you. So that when we pray, there, there is power. You, you have, when, there, there is power in what you say, not just for you, but for those you pray for. Amen? And, and so when, when, I, when I'm sitting at my desk and I'm praying by the power of Christ and the Holy Spirit, I pray in the Spirit to forbid depression. I, I pray to forbid the spirit of abuse. I pray to forbid the spirit of alcoholism and addiction. And I believe with all my heart that as I pray, not because of who I am, but because of who he is, when I pray, the scripture says, because I now have authority in me, because he is in me, that all of heaven opens up and God begins to bind what I have bound up and he looses what I loose. So I can bind up the spirit of depression and I lose the spirit of joy. I lose the spirit of healing. I lose the spirit of reconciliation. And here's the thing, every single believer has that authority. The question is, what do we do with that? What do we do with that? When you pray, pray with authority. Pray with conviction. Pray with passion. Pray with fervency. Don't think with one prayer the battle is going to be won. So pray with consistency. Never stop praying. You're on the battlefield, and the only way you lose is if you stop praying. Because all authority has been given to you as the body of Christ. Amen? Now, when Judas was given authority over the treasury, he was supposed to manage the money to help the ministry. Supposed to help it. Everybody say, help it. Spiritual authority comes with spiritual responsibilities. So God has endowed you with all this authority. And with that authority, he says, I've got stuff that I have written down since before you were born for you to do. You have responsibility now. Not responsibility just to make yourself better, but responsibility for the body. Responsibility to go out into the world. Responsibility to preach the gospel. Responsibility to help other people. Amen? In Colossians, it says this. Paul is talking. He says, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me. Everybody say commission. That means he's been sent out on a mission. It's a military term. It, it, by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God. In, its, in other words, Paul's saying, I have orders to teach you the word of God. And then it says, uh, the, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but now is disclosed to the saints. To them God has chosen, and I'll use commissioned, to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery of Jesus Christ. In other words, God has commissioned you. He's given you authority to go and tear down the gates of hell in every heart, every mind, every family. Amen? You understand what I'm saying this morning? He's given you, not, not because of who you are, but because of who's in you. Amen. And, and so he said, just like I walked around and I delivered demons and I healed the sick and I brought restoration, you go and do the same. Just as I got down and washed people's feet, you go and do the same. Remove the dirt off their soul. Remove the issues. Remove the stench. Remove the smell because you have authority to tell demons to get away. You have the authority to speak joy into somebody's heart who's struggling. Amen. And the question is, what do I do with that authority? He says, here's why I have given it to you, so you can make known the glorious riches of Jesus Christ. Amen? When we receive the Holy Spirit, I, I have that authority. I have that authority. And I have responsibility. Y'all with me? 
Let me give you this next one. Every believer has been given a resurrection power to trample the spirit of death and usher in the spirit of life. Praise God. The indisputable authority. You know, the scripture, in the scripture, Jesus says, I am the light of the world, and the light shines into the darkness. Amen? And then he's in me. That means I have the light of Christ in me. What's the purpose of the light? To shine into the darkness. That's what I'm supposed to do. See, we have to understand that as, as a believer, as a believer, trying to look everyone on the eye, as a believer, you have been commissioned by your commanding officer to be a life changer, a curse breaker, and a life giver. You have been endowed with power, with a purpose. You're a soldier on a mission. The Lord is your commander-in-chief, and you got a job to do. By the power of God and the blood of his lamb, Jesus Christ. Amen? Judas had spiritual authority, uh, and then he was given an earthly position. So every believer has spiritual authority because we have the Holy Spirit, but then we have earthly position. Earthly position. In, in other words, there, there are places in this world that you have authority that have nothing to do with, with anything. It's earthly. It's a position. It's a place. And, and, and so every human being has personal authority. Every single human, only, only believers have spiritual authority, but every believer has personal authority. And we have to, de- what does that mean? That means I can decide what I want to say. If I want to tell y'all right now, I'm done, go home, I got bluebell in the freezer, I do it. You can't stop me. If I want to sit up here and just look at you. It's uncomfortable in there. But you can't stop me. Oh, you can try to tackle me, but I can run fast. I might be old, but I can still move. You can jive, be gone. I decide what I say. I decide what I do. I decide what I think. I decide where I'm going to go. I decide how I'm going to treat you. I decide how I'm going to respond to you. I decide all that. I control my own body. Amen? That's personal authority. Every believer, every person has that. Every single person, everybody you come in contact, they have control. Some people come into counsel and say, well, he made me mad. He can't make you mad. Now, he can act like a fool, but it's your choice to get mad, to stay mad, and be mad forever. That's your choice. Amen? Because you control yourself. You don't have to do it just because you feel it. Amen? And, and so I can, I can decide what I'm going to watch on TV, what kind of music I'm going to listen to, what books I read. I can decide what church I go to, if I go to church, if I stay. I can decide all of that. Now, there are consequences, but I can still do it. Every person has that authority. Amen? Every person has that authority. The devil can't make you do anything. Amen? As a believer, you have personal authority, and you you. You have more power in you than he's got in him, amen? And so when he tempts you to use your body for ungodly things, all you got to do and all you got to say is, Satan, get thee behind me because it's my body. 
And so if God tempts you to use your body in a way you shouldn't use your body, and, and he starts me to think, man, that bluebell's going to taste good. You don't need just a spoonful. You need like a whole bowl. In fact, just, just, just you don't want to dirty the dish. Get the whole half gallon out and just eat it. See, I can say no. Why? Because I'm not the devil's slave. And I have personal authority. There's no man, no woman, no drug, no food, no drink, no situation has authority over your body. No man can force you into a place you don't want to be. No woman can tempt you into a place you don't want to be. There's no situation that can make you do anything. You have personal authority. It's your decision. You decide what you're going to do. Now, what God wants you to do is to take your spiritual authority and infuse it into your earthly position so that you take this power that you have to bind and loose and operate it wherever you're at. Amen? And, and I want you to know, even in the absence of situational power, you still have personal authority. In, in the Bible, it, it talks about being a slave. And, and the apostle Paul doesn't say, if you're a slave, try to get away. He says, if you're a slave, live such a good life that it witnesses to your master. And, and so a slave has, has no situation of power. The master is able to tell him what to do, when to do it, how to do it, and what happens if you don't do it. He has no situational power. But even in a situation where I have no power, I still have personal power. And I can, do, I can be a horrible slave or I can be a good slave. You understand what I'm saying? You may not like what's going on in your house, and you may not like how your husband's acting or what your wife is doing. But within that, you can't control them, but you can decide how you're going to respond. And you have been given spiritual authority to work in your personal position in order to do the will of God and to usher in the kingdom of God right where you are. Amen? If we vacate our spiritual responsibilities within our personal authority, we will fall away. We will fall away. Amen? Now, not only do I have personal authority, but I have societal authority. There are certain positions in society that I have, that I have been put in, that puts me above people, responsible for people. I am a father. I'm a father. And so now I'm responsible for children. And so they know if they mess up, I'm going to let them know. I'm responsible. If, 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 whether you're a mother, a grandmother, a father, a husband, a boss, a superior officer, wherever you're at in life, whatever societal authority you have, God says, I first gave you kingdom authority so that you can usher in the powers of heaven into your societal authority so whatever whether it doesn't matter what you are whether you're a custodian or a ceo whether you're a preacher or, or you're out selling stuff it, it it doesn't matter where you're at wherever you have authority god says i've given you kingdom authority and then where do you use that kingdom authority in the place where i have given you societal authority if you're a father and you ignore your kingdom authority your kingdom responsibilities then you're going to fall away the worst thing I can do is say, well, the Lord has given me authority in order to shine the light of Christ, but the way I respond as a father is going to dim the light of Christ. And we get sideways with God when we accept the spiritual authority and say that we accept the spiritual responsibility, but then don't do anything about it. Amen? The Bible says that, that we are the clay. Turn to somebody and say, you look like a lump of clay. No. 
But some of us lumps have a higher purpose than other lumps. The Bible says that he is the potter, we're the clay. He can do whatever he wants. So he's got some people sitting in jobs making a gazillion billion dollars. He's got other people living in countries where there's not a chance to even make five bucks a day. Both Christian. Both following him. You see, the, it, it says that some, some of the clay is made for noble purposes and some for ignoble. And, and that is a, 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 an earthly way of looking at it to help us understand. But what he's really saying is, I made you, and so you're a masterpiece. I have given you form, and I have given you presence, and I've given you authority and responsibility. So wherever you're at, you take that kingdom authority and go and do something with it. Go and do something with it. Amen? If we vacate our spiritual responsibilities within our societal authority, we will fall away. And so what that means is no matter what you're doing, you could be a housewife, you could be making millions of dollars, it doesn't matter where you're at, you have a high calling from heaven to do the work of God in the will of God through the power of God and the Holy Spirit right where you're at. Amen? Right where you're at. And, and if you're one way at work and a different way at church, you're going to fall away. Are you with me this morning? You're going to fall away. You see, you, you are the light in the darkness. Not everybody's supposed to be a preacher. Thank the Lord. Sometimes the Lord will arrange it so that somebody goes to prison and then gets saved in prison. Well, how's that the Lord's will? Because there's got to be somebody preaching in the prison. Sometimes the Lord will let somebody go through a struggle in, in homosexuality or, or with AIDS. He was like, well, how's that the will of God? Because they're going to come in contact with people at that point that regular church people don't want to go see. And the Lord says, I love them as much as I love you. And so I'm going to form their clay in a different way. And they have the same authority, the same power to go and do the work of God in a different place. Are you all with me? We are, we are spiritual kings with an earthly mission. And you have, you have power to help people escape from death. And what, what the Apostle Paul said to Timothy, he said, don't let them look down on you because you're young. It had nothing to do with age. It has to do with spiritual maturity. And if you're a believer here today, I don't care if you're four or if you're 444, you have authority and power by the Holy Spirit. Amen. And don't think, well, when I turn 21 or when I turn 35 or when I'm on the church board or when I find. No, right now. You have spiritual authority right now. You've been given societal authority. There are people under you in some form or fashion that God has said, I put you at work at the bank because people at the bank need to see the light of Jesus. I put you at work in the school. You know, people say, well, well, if you have a Christian, you have a teacher, they should be trying to work in a Christian school. Well, no. There needs to be Christians in the Christian school. There need to be teachers who are Christians in the public school. Amen? Because the light of Christ has got to go everywhere. Now, is one better than the other? No. 
Is one higher than they had the same high calling wherever they're at? If you're a teenager and all you got to do is walk around with your friends and whatever teenagers do today, I don't know. You have spiritual authority and responsibility to bring in the light of Christ wherever you're at. Amen? If my earthly position is a father, then let me use the spiritual authority to be a good father and help my children find Jesus. Amen? If, if my earthly position is as a husband or a boss, let me use the authority of Christ to do good wherever I'm at, to shine the light of Christ wherever I go, to be ready to speak a word of encouragement. Amen? And let me, and let me tell you this, just to kind of finish up. If, if you don't use your spiritual authority, the devil will use his. Plain and simple. Don't think because you're not praying for somebody that the devil's not attacking them. He's going to be going after them no matter what, whether you pray for them or not. And so we better learn how to exercise our spiritual authority because people are hurting. Divorce is rampant. Suicide, depression, anger, bitterness, materialism. Everything that's keeping our society from the promises of God, it's everywhere. And, and, and we, we want to say, well, this is my religion, and that's between them and whatever God they want to choose. No, when you became a Christian, their religion is not your business. You don't force it. You don't guilt them. You love them. You love them. And then as you love them, the Lord will open the door, and then you can say, well, can I pray for you? Or then he'll say, uh, he'll lead them, can you pray for me? I've heard stories of how people are persecuted because they're Christians and people make fun of them at work. They got their Bible out or whatever. And as soon as that person goes through a hard time, who do they call? They don't call their friends helping make fun of the Christian. No, they call the Christian because they know the Christian knows how to pray. Amen. And, 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 you know, and and, and that's all we got to do. I've been telling you about the, the lady at the donut store. I love this little lady. She's like two and a half feet tall, I think. She's tiny. And last week, I didn't get to tell y'all, last week, she, she had gone on a trip to be a godmother for her brother in, uh, in the Ukraine. She's from Cambodia. And, uh, and she, she had asked me before she went, she said, do I have to be a Christian? And I said, well, I would, I would think so. I said, do they know that you're Buddhist? And she said, well, my brother knows. And I said, well, they probably talked about it. Just go and see what happens. And so they went, and sure enough, the pastor says, well, you got to be a Christian. I remember before we had had this conversation, I see her every week. That's where I get donuts from. So I got to buy donuts for y'all. So I'm saying, well, if I'm going to go there, I might as well talk to somebody about Jesus, right? So I go, and I get donuts. And by the way, they had the best apple fritters, I'm just telling you. But when your body says, I want it, you need to say, no, in the name of Jesus, Okay. So she, she had told me she was Buddhist, and she said, it's all the same, same God, same God. And I, so I began to explain to her about Buddhism and, and, and their belief in reincarnation. She said, I don't believe in that. Maybe I'm only half Buddhist. I said, we're moving the right direction. 
We're going the right direction. And so then she, I found out that she was going on this trip. And so I began to pray, Lord, if you're going to do something, she's coming in contact with a Christian church, a Christian pastor, a Christian brother, do something. So she goes and she comes back. And, and, and I said, well, how did it go? She said, well, they made me be a Christian. <laughs> and I said, well, how do you feel about that? She said, it's okay. I just need to learn. Can you teach me? Do you have a book? I said, praise the Lord, I got a book. Amen. Now, I could just walk in there every day and get the donuts and leave. And I'm not trying to say anything about me. I'm just trying to say you never know when God is going to use you. You never know. Amen. And you've been given spiritual power to break the power of darkness every place you go. All you got to do is exercise it. Amen. When Judas was given earthly authority, he vacated his spiritual responsibility and he fell away from God. Amen. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. And Lord, I, I pray that you would help us understand who we are in Christ. That we are not helpless, but we are filled with power from on high to defeat the enemy, to trample on every trap the enemy sets. And Lord, I'm reminded of the, of the friends who wanted to bring uh, their friend to Jesus and couldn't get in, so they tore open the roof and lowered him down. And Lord, the word tells us that when you saw the faith of their friends, you told the man, his sins are forgiven. Lord, help us to understand that we have power to change lives. Just as you have changed ours. Lord, let us walk in that. Let us understand our spiritual authority, our spiritual responsibility, and where you have placed us in this world, that we would do your work everywhere we go. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said together, amen, amen. Can we give the Lord a praise offering this morning, amen? Praise the Lord. Do, do me a favor, because I, I want to see everybody grow. I want to remind you, God didn't call us to be a follower of Christ. He called us to be a disciple of Christ. And there is a difference. Take out your connection card just real quick, and on the back, it says, today my next step is. And if you have never made Christ your Lord and Savior, I want you to check that box right there, or if you need to rededicate your life, and I will be in touch with you. But from the message today, it says, to guard against falling away, I will focus on living every moment for God's glory. The Bible says, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Amen? Amen? Now, we're in the summertime now, but when football season starts and you're sitting in front of the Cowboy game and they're losing again, do it for the glory of God. Be encouraging. <laughs> Say, come on, boys, <clears throat> or whatever it is. Don't be different any place. Focus on living every moment for God's glory. When you get in the car right now and you get in traffic, let the glory of God come out of you, not something else. Amen? Praise the Lord. When, next time you and your wife get in a fight, 
Okay, let the words that come out of your mouth be glory to God, not what can hurt. Are y'all with me this morning? Every moment of every day, living for God's glory. And number two there, accept the responsibility that comes with your blessings. You have been blessed for a reason, blessed for a purpose. God has done good things in your life so you can go and do good things. He has given you salvation so that you can share that with others. Amen. So if you if you want to focus on that, then mark those. I'm going to send you some some uh, prayer and and some scripture to help you with that. Mark those, and and I'll be in touch with you. It's good. I'm seeing a lot of folks I hadn't seen in a while, and it's good to see you guys. Okay, good to see you guys. And uh, and I want to make special mention here, Pastor Wynette. Will you stand up for us, Pastor Wynette? used to, to be here with us. The Lord called her away, and I've been arguing with him ever since, uh, but uh, it's good to see you. Good to see you, and uh, I don't want to talk about everybody else. There's several families hadn't seen it in a long time. I don't want to embarrass them. I know I can embarrass her. It won't because we, we know each other like that, right? Okay. Hey, y'all stand up. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. Um, when you leave here today, you're going into the mission field. There's going to be people right outside that door who need a little more Jesus. Amen? And you got him. So share him. Amen? All right. Turn to the 37 people and say, whew, I'm glad he's done. God bless you, and you are dismissed. All right? Hello? If it is your first time, come over here. If it's your first time being here, come over to this table so I can meet you.